You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Utabia Podcast. I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me on the phone, unfortunately, rather than being sat across from me in all his glory, is Rory Benson. Rory, how are you? Very well, mate. I feel sorry for you today, but uh, you just <laughs> couldn't be there. Um, it's your day off, so it's, it's commitment from you that even on your, your spare time, you enjoy speaking to me that much that you've volunteered <laughs> to do so. I I enjoy uh, the podcast and I enjoy bringing news to people. I don't know if I enjoy speaking to you, mate. Haven't decided the Pied yet. Piper of Huddersfield Town as you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I must apologise for last week. Um, I was ill. Uh, I, do you apologise for being ill? I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, polite. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I was unexpectedly taken ill towards the uh, tail in the last week, so we couldn't do the podcast. Uh, so we're catching up now. Uh, that explains that, I think. Uh, but uh, Burnley's the only thing we missed. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't preview it because I don't think there was very much to preview. Um, of all the boring games I've seen, this is up there. Is that a fair assessment of this game? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. To, to be honest, I was <laughs> before the game. I was really looking forward to it. Um, I've never been to Turf Moor before, so you know, I, I thought oh, I'll be you know like a nice old ground. Um, that that didn't really turn out to be true. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just dull from from minute one onwards. You know, there was a couple of chances. De Poitra had a shot saved uh, by Nick Pope in the second half. Chris Wood should have done better in, with a header in the first half, but really that was about it. I think the only sort of shining light in the whole game was was the performance of of probably both defences, but in particular Christopher Schindler just was head and shoulders again, head and shoulders above everyone else on the pitch. So that's the only thing really that that you can highlight from from a town perspective. It's becoming a recurring feature this Christopher Schindler loving. Um, People outside of the club don't seem to have cottoned on to it. There's one or two in in commentary that say he's been good, but there's nobody who's really twigged that he's been one of the most outstanding centre-backs in the division this season. I don't think that's too much to say. Sam Tai from Bleacher Report, who we've had on the podcast before, actually had him as the league's standout centre-half for August, um, which is, you know, huge accolade mm-hmm. do you think he's deserving of that because i certainly think you know from my own perspective and from the fans perspective they do yeah I, i've i've got to agree for me he is he has been the best center back in the league for so far this season you know town came up and no one expected them to do anything and to keep is it four clean sheets now in in the first six games it's just it's incredible and it's it's although he has been ably assisted by Zanker and, and also the fullbacks. Christopher Schindler has been 
hands down town's best player so far this year um i think you know in it as well he's playing unbelievably well in a team that's playing well so for him to stand out as much as he has done really shows you sort of how well he has been playing and you know there's been a few i know mostly town fans have got to say but a few saying you know if, if he wasn't german he'd be in with a shot at any international team pretty much or anywhere in the world um and you know you can't argue against that because he's just been sensational and if he keeps going the way he is, the only thing that worries me is that some some team might come in in January and try and pick him up out of the town squad. I, I don't think January is too much of a concern, but the international thing something that, that David Wagner sort of clapped back at, and I think that's sort of with Germany in mind. But, you know, if, if he had a grandma that had once visited Dublin or driven through Belfast or, you know, had a buddy in Cardiff or, you know, seen Edinburgh <laughs> Castle, then he'd be in one of those squads. It's, it's not too much to say, you know, he's a victim of where he's from, if anything, because otherwise the door would be open to him. If you actually look at players like Kachunga and Munier who have heritage from elsewhere, they've gone into them international sides because, you know, it's difficult to play for the German national team or the French national team. But there is a national team willing to take him. But Schindler, because his name's Christopher Schindler and he looks as German as possible and sounds as German as possible, there isn't really anywhere else for him to go and play. Well, I think, you know, you have to look at oh, how many how many years is it? Is it three years you have to play in a certain country before you can play for their national team? So I Have you already England, got an eye on him for England? Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Southgate, ring him up, mate. Get him in. Get him in as soon as possible. On on residency. I think he's... What has he been here now? 18 months? Something like that, yeah. So we're only, so we're be, I there. think it's three years. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So that, I mean, I mean that's probably not going to happen. And, and to be honest, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a call up for Germany the way he's playing, if he can continue it throughout the season. Um, but, you know, there's there's always hope, isn't there? There's only, if you don't uh, have hope Jer- as an England fan, you've got nothing, have you? <laughs> There's only Jerome Boateng and uh, Mats Hummels to get past in the Germany squad, so only only no-name players there. Yeah, um, yeah they play for minor clubs compared to the <laughs> town as well. Uh, Danny Williams, of course, somebody who plays for the USA rather than Germany as well. Um, he's injured, apparently, at present. Uh, got a knock or something against Leicester is is that what the club are saying yeah yeah he's got a small fracture in his foot um David Wagner said he'd be out for a little while but uh, they're not too sure they're speaking to specialists about it because it is a very minor fracture so they're not sure how long he will be out hairline hairline fracture I think yeah just a, just a very very small one but obviously one that you know you don't want to risk it getting any bigger or anything so they're talking to uh, to some specialists uh, back end of last week and start of this week. Uh, and hopefully we should get an update on that uh, at the press conference ahead of the Tottenham match on Thursday. One of the knock-on effects of that uh, injury to Williams was the return to the first team of Jonathan Hogg. Um, and before the game and after it as well, Sean Dyche was full of praise for him because they're two people who spent a lot of time together at Watford previously. Um Hogg's a player that Dice has said contributed to him uh, having a successful career because Watford started so badly the season he was in charge um, and went on to have a really good run. And he says Hogg was central to that. And that's obviously something that we've seen since he's arrived at Huddersfield. How were you impressed with you know the immediacy of his return and you know the fact that he seems to have 
picked up form pretty much where he left off and you know that same Jonathan Hogg that was rushing attacks and and winning the ball back and being there to recycle possession in the championship is doing exactly the same job again in the Premier League yeah Jonathan Hogg he's he's a manager's dream he's he's sort of the perfect player if if everyone could have the attitude of Jonathan Hogg you know I don't, I don't think you'd have any you you couldn't you couldn't complain during a season um as you say he, he <laughs> surprised like he's not played a full game in you know since last season but he just started the way that he finished and you couldn't even tell that he'd been in been out for a certain amount of time you know he was in the faces of the opposition breaking things up you know burnley there were there were parts in the game where burnley had a, a few sort of half decent looking attacks but jonathan Ogg was there to break it up before the final ball was able to go um and it just shows how deep town squad goes because the Leicester game, the standout performer for me was, was Danny Williams. He obviously drops out and then Jonathan Hogg has, has a great game against Burnley. So it's just to have those options available. Philip Billing obviously started the season brilliantly as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to have those options. And then Aaron Moy, who's, you know, probably one of the technically most gifted players in the town squad. You know, it's, it's great for David Wagner to, to have those options. It's a headache that he, he wants to have and, you know, it's Town's centre midfield. There are so many players that can play there that it's just it's just a great position to be in, uh, and it means that if if anyone does pick up an injury, like Jonathan Hogg's just come back from one, and, and Danny Williams has got a knock, you know, you've got other options there, and they're not there's not a first choice. They're all sort of on that level, so it doesn't take away from the squad in a crucial position in the centre of the park as well. Yeah, we had a couple of players come back as well. Um, Craney's come back from injury as well. Um, so the squad is is filling out in the manner you'd want it to. Sort of, there were one or two concerns with the injuries that it was thinning out. But you know, we laboured the point of how well Huddersfield bought in the summer, and that's only sort of being seen now, given that. There have been injuries, there have been losses in form, there have been different oppositions that we've needed to, you know, juggle our pack for. And that's been done with, with no real consequences in performance. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, but I'd also say maybe if with the injuries that they've got now, maybe another winger or a number 10 or possibly a striker, just one more player in an attacking position would have maybe made you feel a little bit more confident. Um, I think what the situation that they have now is that with Casey Palmer being out, Tom Ince is now first choice sort of on the left, but also the backup number 10. Um, Sabiri is the only sort of out and out number 10 that's available at the minute. Uh, and up front with Mounier out, you've only got De Poitre and then Kachunga can play up there, but then that leaves you maybe a little bit short on the right. So I think, although performances haven't dropped, like you said, I think maybe one more attacking player in any of those positions really would make, would have made you feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but having said that, Town do have a handful of players for those positions who can play in a number of them. So it's not the end of the world by any means, but I just think maybe one more just to pad out the numbers really up front. Um, you know, that might have been an option. But, you know, if the performances keep coming with players playing in different positions, then, you know, you can't really complain. One concern, if we're going to discuss concerns slightly, is that, you know, these are 
draws are starting to stack up now a little bit. The Southampton game, Huddersfield should have won. The Leicester game, they definitely should have won. Um, this game probably is the only one that you'd put down as a draw because each team was, you know, equally as strong in defence, shall we say. Probably yeah. a kind reading of the of how the game went. Um, is is this something that Town are going to have to try and find a way around all sort of? A lot was made of the goal difference last season coming up through the championship. Goal scoring was obviously an issue there. There's a lot of people who said it. Had we had a, a striker of the quality of a Munier or a Depotra last season, then automatic promotion would have been far closer than it was eventually. Um, obviously, nobody's complaining because you know you get promoted one way or another. It's still mm-hmm. promotion. Is it something that? Huddersfield still have to try and find their feet with now. Are we were we slightly blindsided and and you know were we deceived by that opening three nil win with just how good the attack is? Uh, it's a tough one because obviously Steve Mooney scored two on the opening day and he's not scored since. I don't know if that's you know his performances hasn't haven't dropped off. It's just that you know he's been working hard and probably hasn't found himself in the areas that he maybe wanted to find himself in. Um, but it's, I think if you look at the points that town picked up a point against Leicester and a point against Southampton before the games, you would have taken them. And from a town perspective, the games that they probably would have been aiming at winning this season to stay in the league would have been against the teams around them. So they've beaten Newcastle, you know, that they've done that. They're probably going to be around town's position at the end of the season. They're beating Crystal Palace as well. So I think with those You've picked you've picked up the three points that you've probably targeted before the season. You've picked up good points against Leicester and Southampton, and it's only after the game because we've seen how tom- dominant Town have been. It's only after the game that you really think, well, maybe that's two points dropped. I think if you take a step back and you look at Town's start nine points from six games and they're eighth, ninth in the league now, you know you would have taken that hands down at the start of the season. So, although. Although maybe now, looking back at it, you might think, oh, maybe a couple of points dropped here and there. It is definitely points, a point gained, and it takes you towards that 40-point mark at the end of the season, which, you know, as much as David Wagner will say no limits and everything, there's no upper limit, but they're still going to be aiming to stay in the league. That's just, you know, that's how it works. So, you know, we'll see if it comes to bite them at the end of the season, but I just think for the points that they've got, I think those will be... They'd be more than happy with that at the start of the season. And looking back at it now, with the performances, maybe they could have got a couple more. But again, you, you just you can't you can't complain picking up that many points. The the only reason I bring it up is that the run that Huddersfield have upcoming, uh, Swansea City away aside on Saturday the fourteenth, I believe. The next few games are Tottenham at home, uh, Man United at home, and Liverpool away, and. You know, all respect to football fans, we're both fans ourselves, but people aren't um, against revisionism when things stop going their way. Um, And if, you know, Huddersfield, you know, Swansea game aside, to lose those three, um, you know, two or three nil, that's no embarrassment. And that they're three fantastic sides are coming up against, they may well get points from them and they'll be seen as bonus points quite rightly. But if those results don't go as planned, if the Swansea result doesn't go as planned for any reason, um, will people start to look back on these draws 
in a more damning fashion than they had done previously. Possibly, and I think that comes that comes hand in hand. You know, that's just what football's about. People, in in hindsight, you'd say, oh well, you know, we could have picked up a point there. He really should have scored that goal. The the Kachunga goal was onside. You know that. The Kachunga goal was onside. <laughs> exactly, but you know, looking back over a season, there are all these sort of things that people say. Well, that could have gone. That could have gone that way. That could have gone the other way. But you know, all these ifs and buts. It's the fact is that they haven't picked up those points, and now, you know, they're going into the next four games, you would say if they can pick up four points from those games, they're doing pretty well. Um, you've just, as David Wagner repeatedly says, you know, we're just going to take it game by game, one one at a time and see where it gets us. And I think as much as you can sort of complain about a couple of decisions or, or complain about missing a couple of chances, you've just got to put it out of your mind and you've got to get back to what you do on the training ground and then put that into action the next week and just hope you learn from what has happened in previous weeks and maybe a bit be a little bit more clinical. Um, and, you know, talking of those games coming up, Tottenham, Swansea, United, Liverpool, I think it is, in that order. Yeah. Tottenham, Tottenham coming to the John Smith Stadium. To be honest, they've not looked as good as they did last season. I think That's Town... Right yeah, and I think Town have looked pretty decent. You know, maybe an outside chance of a point there. I've just written a piece, actually, about Tottenham's form post-European competition um, and had a look at every single game they've played after a game in Europe under Mauricio Pochettino. Mauricio Pochettino. So I've gone back three seasons. Mm-hmm. And percentage-wise, they're 12% less likely to win a game after they've played in Europe and 10% more likely to lose. So in terms of picking an ideal time to play them, now would be it. And if you could only make one change, you'd probably want them at Wembley because they're even worse there than they are elsewhere. I mean, they've won every single away Premier League game they've had and they've done so fairly convincingly. I mean, West Ham at the weekend, it was only because uh, of a stupid sending off. They beat Everton 3-0, I believe, and they did similar in their first away game. So Newcastle 2-0. Newcastle, yeah. So it's it's one of those where you've there is every opportunity for them, but you've got to remember still there's there's plenty of good players and the other statistic I dug up for it is against newly promoted sides over the past two seasons they've not dropped a point. So they've got you know there's opposing things here and and different things to take into account as there are with yeah. all teams. But you know if you're going to try and line them up, and that probably now is when you choose. Yeah, yeah. Well. As well, like going a bit further on, Liverpool, you know, they've looked beatable. United are the only team where you just think, well, you know, if we lose 2-0, that's not a bad result, really. And I think that's not to say that that's just town. I think, you know, anyone below fifth in the league would probably take that result against Man United at the minute because they've looked that good. And then Swansea, if you know, Swansea or Swansea, they're going to be down at the bottom. And that's what Town have done well so far this season, beat the teams that are likely to be in that sort of relegation scrap. So, you know, if they can pick three points up against Swansea and then pick one point up against the other three or, you know, anything more than one, it's like a massive bonus. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough time for Town, but it's going to be exciting. The fans are going to make the Johnson Stadium, you know, a very tricky place to come, like they have shown previously this season and all of last season. So I think it's it's going to be an exciting time for town and hopefully they can get a few points. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, one thing we've skirted over and we should probably speak about in, in some detail, although not a lot of detail, because I think it's probably been done to death by now, but uh, Rajiv Van Lepara went for a little bit of a skip <laughs> against uh, Burnley. Uh, there are some people who obviously think it's uh, the worst thing to do in sport. There are other people who think, you know, that's how you get ahead and, you know, it's part of the game now. There's some cultures where you're chastised if there's an opportunity to dive and you don't take it. It's just one of those things that uh, I think is probably part and parcel of football now and it's it's depending on uh, on how you, you face it that um, sort of defines your stance on it. From what we understand, obviously, Sean Dyche wasn't very happy with it, but Sean Dyche doesn't seem to be very happy with a lot of things in life. <laughs> Um, town have fined Van Lepera. We don't know how much they find him. I guess it's probably what a week's wages at most. Um, obviously, it's something that people don't want to see, but that seems like a bit of a platitude, really. I'm not sure that too many people would have been complaining had he been given the penalty in town, won the game 1 0. Um, I think that's me being perfectly honest. I might be being slightly cynical there, but. Um, that's my opinion on the matter. It's it's something that I think you either you win some and you lose some. Um, I think all teams have probably got a player or two in their their ranks that will will go down under a challenge slightly easier than than others will. If you put Chris Wood in a similar situation, I imagine he'd have found turf as well. Being brutally honest, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think there's any reason to crucify Reggie Van Lepara for what he did. Um, What's your opinion on the the matter? Yeah, I think it's just. I, I think only Rajiv Van Lepara knows how much contact he felt. For me, there's a difference between diving and exaggerating the contact. Um, I think Jamie Vardy is one person who exaggerates the contact well, and I think that is part of the game. I think going down when you've not felt anything is, you know, that's that's a dive, and you should be, you know, getting a fine for that. Um, you know, I think he could have stayed on his feet, which was the the main thing. He could have stayed on his feet and drilled the ball across. But you know, it, it's just it's one of those things. I think he'll learn from it with with the fine and the club have dealt with it well. He'll learn from it, and you know, we'll move on from there. I'd, it's just it was it wasn't a great moment, but you know, again, like I said, he'll learn from it and he'll he'll move on, and hopefully we don't see it anymore. But. I don't really want to draw too much attention to it because, as you said, it's been it's been uh, analysed to death and people yeah. are, you know, slamming in left, right, and centre. <laughs> I was watching the uh, West Brom Arsenal game last night, um, and Jay Rodriguez goes clean through um, against Arsenal for West Brom. Mustafi brings him down, mm-hmm. and instead of staying on the ground or you know appealing for anything, even though it was a as stone wall and as clear a penalty as you would ever see. Mustafi makes no contact with the ball, completely yeah. swipes both legs out from underneath him. He's clean thrown goal. It may well have been a red card on top. Um, instead, Jay Rodriguez stands up and takes a shot and his, nothing happens whatsoever. No action is taken. And you almost feel in that situation, had he made a bigger meal of it, had he not been as honest, he would have got more from it. And, you know, West Brom may have done better out of the game. So you can see why players do what they do on occasion. I remember Thierry Henry was quite vocal about it in that Champions League final against Barcelona because he felt he'd been kicked all over the park for 40 minutes and not given anything because he was one to stay on his feet. 
Mm-hmm. But when he started sort of doing the obvious diving and, and finding the floor, that's when the decision started coming his way. And it almost feels as if there's a method to the madness. It might not make it right. Two wrongs don't make a right and all that sort of nonsense. But it almost feels, especially when you get such a glaring uh, version of the opposite of what Van Lepera did with Rodriguez, that, you know, maybe there is a reason to show the referees something more than there is. I think Van Lepera was guilty of... I've tried a corner penalty, especially that late in the game. Uh, he was actually clean through, so I don't know why he didn't just stick his left boot through it and see what happened. Um, but there's there is you know two sides to the to the argument. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can I can see what you're saying, but that that for me is where it's it's either exaggerating contact or just going for a, a dive. Um, and you know, as I said, I don't. You know, some people have said, "Oh, maybe there was a little clip or something like that." I, I don't know. Only I, f- I believe um, the slow mo showed somebody stood on the end of his toe, but I'm not sure that's enough to get a swan yeah. dive out of you. Yeah, but you know, I think it's it, it's one of those things which is always going to cause debate in football because you know, if there's contact and people are running quickly, you don't know how they're going to go down. You don't know, you know. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a hard one to call, but. I think the referee got it right on the day. Um, and as I said before, you know, you just dust yourself down, learn from it and move on after that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, but as we said, there's there's no reason to, to crucify the man. He's been punished by the club. He's been chastised by the media. And that's, um, that's probably enough of that by now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, better news, uh, Zanker and, and Lossel. Are both in the Denmark squad again. Um, Zanka starts at the back next to um, the captain Simon Kier, whereas Lossel's on the bench. Interestingly, Kasper Schmeichel, who is the Danish number one, has actually conceded four times as many goals in the Premier League as, as Jonas Lossel has. So maybe that race for the number one shirt is slightly tighter than it has been previously. Yeah, I mean, Jonas Lossel has been absolutely excellent since he joined. Four clean sheets. And it, it's kind of, everyone was wondering how are we going to replace Danny Ward? He's gone back to Liverpool. Oh, he's, he's not going to come back to town for another year. And then I think we spoke about it when, when Lossel first joined. Uh, that Some of the reports out of Germany weren't looking great, but he has looked like he's been in the Premier League all his life. He's just, he's fitted in so well. In terms of shot stopping, distribution, also claiming for the ball, which, you know, European keepers probably aren't famed for, for going up and clearing people out and, and as well as the ball. But he's just done that so well. And he's, he's I wouldn't, I would be very, very surprised if Huddersfield Town don't make his loan deal permanent at some point um, because he's just been that good. And, and you know, he, I think he, in terms of performances this year, you could only probably say David De Gea, but he's not probably had as many saves to make, but he's, you know, performed well and he's done it over a sustained period in the Premier League. But after that, you know, I've not seen Jonas Lossel make a mistake yet. And I've seen quite a lot of other Premier League keepers have done. So, you know, he's he's up there at the minute as being one of the best. He was up to the the Player of the Month award in August. Um, And if Town can keep a couple more clean sheets, he might be up there again for September or October. There's a Golden Glove competition he might have his eye on as well. <laughs> well, I think um, last year, last year Golden Glove was it 
16 clean sheets. Yeah, it's Qatar, wasn't it? Yeah, and he's, what, four already, so he's on his way. He is indeed. Um, The other bit of news is that the club are saying that Steve Mounier should be fit for Saturday afternoon. Uh, he's obviously been missing for a couple of games now. Laurent Depoch has done fairly well um, in his absence. The goal against Leicester is one of my highlights of the season. Just the, the way in which he spanned Harry Maguire uh, will live long in my memory. Um, but, you know, we've, we've talked about how that uh, that battle for the lone striker position might be closer now than it had been previously. Um is there any chance you think Mooney might come off the Mooney, sorry, might come off the bench against Tottenham if he's not 100? percent If he's not 100, percent I don't think David Wagner will risk him uh, either way. I think it depends when he can start training again. You know, we're not sure if he has been training this week yet. Uh, again, that'll be something we we find out at the press conference. If he has been training this week, it, you know, it, it depends how how much he's been doing and and how often he's been training, whether he's going to be match fit or whether he's, you know, healthy but not quite up to speed yet. Um, but as you said, Lauren Depotra has, has performed excellently, superbly since uh, since the injury happened. His, his goal against Leicester hopefully gave him a bit more uh, a bit more confidence. He played well against Burnley, maybe should have scored, but, you know, it, it was a game of very limited chances and he ran the channels well and put his body around against a, a pretty physical defence. So, Again, going back to sort of what I said about the the centre midfielders, you've got two players there who, you know, are going to be challenging each other pretty firmly. Maybe a third would have been handy to have in the squad. I know David Wagner doesn't think that, and you know, who am I really to to question what David Wagner thinks because of the excellent job he's done at Town. Um, but yeah, no. To be honest, against Tottenham, you're going to need a big, strong centre half, uh, centre forward. Sorry. So, and either of them fit the bill. So. You know, whoever plays, I think that's they're going to be in the mould that you need to play against one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. We'll obviously speak more about that game in, in depth on Thursday, in Thursday's podcast. Um, touch wood, neither of us go down with anything in between <laughs> now and then. Um, but all things uh, going to plan, we should be back for a podcast. And is that a cough you've just thrown in for effect there, Rory? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just to getting... prove that I'm a little bit ill. Get your excuse in early. Yeah, I think that's me yeah. that's probably giving you the lurgy in fairness. But yeah, thanks uh, for that. I would apologise if it was somebody else, but for you, <laughs> um, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Beer fifty two offer still there for anyone who's interested. Code Huddersfield on Beer fifty two dot com. Just pay for the postage rather than the full twenty five pound for the crate. Um, comment on iTunes. Leave us five star reviews if you fancy. Uh, subscribe on there, and there's audio boom as well for for people who don't have access to iTunes or Apple devices. And uh, I'll speak to you on Thursday when you'll be back in the office, sat in front of me. Yep, I'll be there. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewustweek. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.